The show's about to start. Are you ready? to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Cincinnati Reds, who hope to God they get a bullpen, but we'll get to that later. Now, this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,131 subscribers. That is awesome. Let's try to keep it rolling. Let's get to 10,000, then 100,000, then a million. Let's make strawberry ice go worldwide, worldwide. Just kidding. Let's just try to get some more subscribers. And as always, the new thing we have on the channel is Super Chat. So if you guys like uh, to support what I'm doing in the comments on the YouTube channel, go there and you can donate and do the Super Chats. Now, on today's show, we have Scott Dort. I knew it was going to mess it up. <laughs> Doherty. Dang it. I knew it. Was. I'll just do this. There you go. I told you I'd mess it up. Hey, like I said, like I said, I've heard it so many ways, and it's fine. You're good, man. You're good. I, I, I rehearsed it like five times before we went on the air, and I still messed it up. Anyway, so Scott is uh, he's a writer, or, or he writes, I'll put it that way. He's uh, wrote uh, Virginia writer. Let's go with that. Virginia writer. Anyway, he's wrote for uh, Reddit, uh, defending the draft, and he's uh, uh, going to possibly start writing for uh, the last word on the NFL. But the reason you're here today is about your article that you wrote on the Bengals draft and defending the draft. And if you guys haven't checked it out, let everybody know where they can check it out first. Yeah, so uh, Reddit does a series uh, every year on the NFL draft subreddit called Defending the Draft. They put up a big hub post, and then they just go basically in the draft order. We get a representative from each team. They come in, write kind of their own article, however they want to do it. Basically, the whole point is, you know, you're defending your team's draft. You're coming in, you're saying, just find the picks, saying why I like them. Um, so, you know, borrowing, borrowing from the Iceman, uh, you put on your orange tinted sunglasses <laughs> and you, go in and you exactly. justify it. 
Um, but you know, uh, I think, uh, I think I did a good job. I like to think that there was a lot of good reasons the Bengals made the picks they did. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to discuss them and kind of see if you agree on some of these picks. Yeah. I mean, the, well, the biggest one, obviously, I mean, Chase, I, if you watch me, I was a team chase guy all the way. Well, well, let's do this on reap. I was got to preface it that way. <laughs> and I love the idea of or of what that's the idea of what they did for trading back to get Jackson Carmen, who's I think the guy they wanted anyway, because mm-hmm. they were not looking for a tackle. They were looking for a guard. They had their tackles. They had Jonah and they had Reef. So they weren't looking for a tackle. They were looking for a guard. And to trade back, get that, and get what three more picks mm-hmm. as well. And I mean, I think they're quality guys they got. So I I could be happier with the Bengals draft. I mean, again, I look at, like you said, I look at everything with orange sunglasses. But, I mean, I think these guys are talented. I mean, I really do yeah. think – I mean, yeah, they would have got Sewell or, or or somebody else at a tackle. Yeah, it might have been a little better. But then you're going to kick Reef at guard. Reef's never actually played guard in the NFL. So, I don't know if that would be a good move or not. You know, and I think I think that's one of the things a lot of us fans – and I'm guilty of this. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm not going to pretend to, you know – know this, but I think a lot of us kind of look at offensive lines plug and play. Yeah. And you, the best example for why that's not true, look at Fred Johnson. We brought him in a couple of years ago. He filled in a tackle, and we were like, oh, my God, we might have had the tackle of the future. Look what happened when we had to plug him in at guard last year. I mean, yeah. turnstile, absolute turnstile. Yeah. So I think, you know, pointing, you know, talking about Carmen, one of the things that <laughs> about that is when we were looking at that second-round pick after signing Reef, everyone's like, Grab Tevin Jenkins, start him at guard. Grab Liam Eikenberg, start him at guard. Right. Why none of these guys profiled as a guard? Whereas Carmen, um, one of the points I made when I was writing this, uh, Bob McGinn, a uh, great writer for the Athletic. He's been covering the NFL for God, forty years now, and he's really plugged in with scouts. He he talks to scouts every year, and his big thing for the draft is he does a scouts poll, goes through, asks some. You know, rank your top players every position. Who do you think is going to be a bust? Who do you think people are hyping? It's all anonymous, so the scouts can kind of just offer what they want without, you know, messing up their team's draft boards. Carmen was the number two rated offensive guard among scouts. There you go. Almost every single one of these scouts are like, hey, you know, he's played tackle his whole career. His arms are a little short. Maybe can't handle speed rushers, but you plug him at guard and he's going to be great. Across the board. The only one they ranked higher than was uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who I think everybody recognizes is going to be the number one guard the whole right. draft offseason. Right. So – I think Carmen got a little forgotten, but it's like, should he have been? Because it was all along, we should have seen the signs that, like you said, we were looking for a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we signed Reef, there was no way we were bringing him in after telling him right tackle and be like, nah, nah, we're moving right. to the right guard. 35 right. years old. You've been in the league for 12 years. Switch positions. Right. Well, I, what, what they gave Bengals fans hope is uh, my man James Rapine from Locked on Bengals and, and uh, Sports Illustrated actually asked him, the question, would you be willing to play guard? He said, yes. That's what opened the door for Bengals fans. Okay, okay. so if we get a tackle, then he can play guard. Well, just because he said he's willing to do it doesn't mean he can because, like you said, Fred Johnson, I think, should never play guard again. He's a tackle. You know, <laughs> Just because you play tackle doesn't mean you can play everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, it's it just it's some people are just – because playing uh, – this, this is, I think, is the best analogy I've heard from the, the – differentiate between playing tackle and playing guard playing tackle is like being in an open field playing guard is like being in a phone booth you know you're mm-hmm. you're, you're such in a such tight area it's a lot it's a it's different movement you, you have freedom of movement at left tackle at mm-hmm. guard you're you got guys on either side so it's a lot you know um, smaller steps 
uh, closer ha hand gestures. You know, it's it's different. It's, it's just yeah. a totally different no, technique. Well, the phone booth is perfect. I I um I think it was week. Let's see, it was it was week two or three. They tried Fred Johnson at guard, and I remember watching a clip after that where he goes to pivot and just steps on the tackle's foot. Yes. He's so used to having that step out available right. to him. And exactly. It's like, you then can't worry about it. it, you know, and, and especially somebody like Reef, like, you know, it's one thing to take guys play two, three years of football and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to move you to the right side or we're going to move you inside or whatever. That guy's been playing almost the same position. Like I understand he's done left and right tackle, but he's been a tackle for over a decade. And you want him to all of a sudden on a new team, new offensive scheme, new everything, be like, also you're switching positions. Because right. You've got this rookie who's also switching positions because Sewell was a left tackle moving to the right. Right, right. right. Yeah, right. Exactly. LaVar <laughs> well, here, he says that uh, in the interview that uh, Ace and Zim had with uh, Fred Johnson, that Fred said he's too tall to play tackle. Well, they, he's too tall. And, and it's nothing, and this is nothing against Fred Johnson. Yeah. He, he, I think honestly, I think Fred Johnson has a very good shot to be our future right tackle. To be honest, I, I think we I got still love him as a swing tackle. Absolutely, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, but what is he six eight? I think six, yeah. seven. He's, he, he's tall too. He's lanky, and yeah, no, that that's a great point there. That you you you're going to get stood up by this interior pass rush when you're that height. Unfortunately, you know, it's the same thing. Everyone always talks about arm length. Oh, you don't have long enough arms, you can't be right. a tackle. Right. But then everyone thinks it. It seems like the the thought is. Well, if you can't make it a tackle, you can cut it at guard. And it's like, right. no, guard's not just a step down from tackle. It's a different it's, position. It's, it's different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, <laughs> well, even switching sides is different, you know, left to right. Mm -hmm. It's because everything's the exact opposite of what you were doing. Oh, I yeah, you know, shout out to here. Who's the, who's the guy that talks about it? It's like, try wiping your ass with the other hand. And right. you <laughs> yeah, <switch> exactly. Sides. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, shout out here to my man, Hank, who's uh, giving me a $10 super chat. So, Hank, as always, brother, I appreciate you. You must have money to burn, but hopefully some, somebody else will step up and give me a super chat and Hank, but Hank, you rock. So uh, let's get to his question here. He said, if you keep Carmen Jackson at guard, he'll become a top 10 guard in the league. I can't disagree or I can't agree more. Yeah, I, I really do think Carmen Jackson is going to be a stud at guard, and I'm not one that's like, okay, he's going to play guard for one year, then we're going to kick him back out to tackle. I don't believe that. I, mm -hmm. I think – I think he's going to stay at guard because I think the Bengals from Fred Johnson to, to uh, Deontay Smith to uh, even a Denagy. I know people are like a but he could be in the mix to potentially be the replacement for Reef if they don't resign him next year. So right. I think we got guys that are talented enough to come in at right tackle and, and take over and keep Jackson at guard. Yeah. No, I think, I think, you know, uh, Taylor pretty recently, they asked him about that and he, he did, you know, talk about how that when they watched him on tape, they did see a tackle, uh, a guy that can play tackle. And, and I agree. You watch his tape. I mean, he played left tackle for Clemson. You know, he was right. trusted for uh, Trevor Lawrence's blind side. So it's not yeah. like he can't. Right. I think what they see him as is an elite guard who can play tackle in a pinch. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, that's awesome. Look at, look at Quentin Nelson with the mm -hmm. Colts. Yep. Elite at his position. And then they had an emergency, had to throw him a tackle, and he did, he did great. And I totally agree with you coming back, though. We have options. I think Fred Johnson a couple years ago showed he can at, at worst be a solid swing tackle. Mm -hmm. And Deontay Smith that you brought up, that's another one when I was writing this. I Deontay Smith gains weight. He's going to be a starting tackle. He's already gained weight. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, he's up to like 3'11". Now. He's gained like 20 pounds. Like, and, he, and he's got quick feet, too. He's got quick feet, too. Mm -hmm. he's got quick you, uh, you look at his tape at the Senior Bowl. Uh -huh. He looked yeah. great. Like He yeah. looked great. He has great footwork. 
He knows the position. He knows how to move. You you give him a year with Pollock. You give him a year in that weight room. I would not be surprised at all to see him starting to right tackle next year. Yeah, honestly, that that's that's my that's who I really do think in my heart heart that is going to be our future right tackle. I really do think just and I'd never heard of him. I mean, I'm a Bearcat fan. We played East Carolina, but yeah, you know, I didn't pay attention to East Carolina's. All hey, I'll tell you, Bearcat fan, it broke my heart watching the draft when the Browns got James Hudson. Oh, I, was God, I know. Hoping we would get him. Don't be wrong. Yeah. I am perfectly happy with Deontay. And, yeah. uh, but I think, man, Bill Callahan's going to turn Hudson into a great player. And, and that yeah. kind of makes me a little sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. We can't, we can't get all the Bearcats. But I mean, what, speaking of the Bearcats, this, this is getting a little ahead of ourselves, but there's potential that in the 2022 draft that the Bearcats could have, three or four number one or not number first round picks, mm-hmm. which would be a record. I mean, they've never, I mean, I don't know if they've ever had a first round pick to be honest in our, in, in our history and a chance to even to potentially maybe have four. I mean, I know that's, I mean, it, know. Well, it, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, we don't have to stay out too long, but no, it's a good point. And it's like, it's crazy how quickly fickles turn that program around. And oh, yeah. I, especially now they're talking about expanding the college football playoffs. I'd love Dude, to see what oh. do this year. I, dude, I, if you want to talk about this, I'd love to get in this conversation. I've been, I've been wanting to get into this all week, but I, I now yeah, look at it this way. One, it, it, it's great for Bearcat fans because you would actually have a legit shot to to get in, and that's all we want. We, all all Louis schools want a shot to get in this thing and prove. Which I mean, uh, the Bearcats proved last year they can play with a team from the SEC. And Georgia's no joke; they were a good team, you know, and they played with them the whole time. So the other aspect is. That it also helps the the bigger conferences as well because let's say this let's say uh, Ohio State or just say Ohio State wins the Big Ten and and Penn State loses again or whatever or they you know they can't get into the championship game well with twelve teams they could get voted in you know so it gives them a chance because they can't beat Ohio State to get into this thing so it's not only give an opportunity to to little schools but it also give an opportunity to two schools in these bigger conferences who can't beat Alabama, can't beat, you know, Ohio State. And the thing is, once you get into these playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. So that's right. why I'm, I'm all – No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, I think you look at basketball with March Madness. Uh-huh. Now, I do think that, you know, college football is always going to be that a little bit top heavy. Uh-huh. But every year in March Madness, you get a team that comes out of nowhere and, and wins a game unexpectedly – and then what always happens is two, three years later, they get better recruits oh, yeah. because now people know them and know their name and like, wow, they they did that. I, I might want to go play there instead of all going to the same school. So right. I think if nothing else, you start doing 12 team playoffs and let's say UC comes in as an eight seed and upsets an SEC team. Right. Now UC is recruiting better. And now maybe the playing field's a little more level the next season against an Alabama or an Ohio State. Because exactly. if, if you only have a 14 playoff and it's you always know it's going to be Alabama probably going to be Ohio State, probably going to be Clemson, and then rotate a fourth team. Right. If you're a five-star recruit, why are you not going to one of those four schools? Exactly. That, that That's kind of been my point this whole time. It's like, that's why they have to expand it because they're all going to one place. But the thing, I'll get back to you, what you said about uh, the college basketball team having a good year and then they have uh, better recruits. So that is exactly what happened to the Bearcats when Huggins came over. We had the, In 92, we had the Final Four run. And then after that, we had – Danny Fortune and Damon Flint and and Ken, uh, uh, Kenya Martin and all these guys, they weren't coming to Cincinnati before '92. Mm-hmm. So the '92 team, the Final Four team, shout out to my boy Terry Nelson. They're the ones that started all this, and that's how. But that, that's what you need. You need, and that, that's what's happening with the Bearcat football team right now. 
we played with Georgia. I mean, we're going to be in the top – I, I mean, think we should be top 10, I think, to begin the season, but we might be top 12. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, but, back to James Hudson. He doesn't He doesn't get kicked out of that game. I think they win. Oh, dude. I mean, I, would, it, I, I can't yeah. remember the name of his backup, but, man, that was oh, – He was awful, yeah. Like uh, – yeah, that, that, James Hudson getting injured got Aziz Ojolari drafted higher than he would have otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 changed the whole team. That changed the whole game. And I've told – I get some Georgia fans on here that are coming and still talk smack to me about it. I'm like, <laughs> if he doesn't get thrown out of that game, they're like, oh, we had pressure on, on, on Ritter the whole time. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Until he got thrown out, that's when you started getting pressure on Ritter. Before that, you weren't freaking touching him. Right. So that was a huge – and I agree with you. He doesn't get thrown out because we because we don't score that much in the second half. If he's mm-hmm. there that whole second half, it's a totally different – different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I totally agree. And I mean, honestly, Hudson probably gets drafted higher because he would yeah. have had that pinnacle showcase game to go along with the rest of his tape. He, and he was just – that was just dumb. Was just, it was dumb. And, and honestly, uh, I, I think you look at his career and he's never been that kind of player. I think it's just no. – you, like, you know, we all remember like A.J. Green, Cortland yeah. Finnegan. Yeah, it was just a one-off moment that happened. Right. And that's where I feel about Hudson. It yeah, just, it happened. It was was on one time, stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one time it happened at the worst possible time. I remember looking. I was at my my parents' house watching a game with them. My dad and I are two huge Bearcat fans. And I'm going, what the hell was that? Why would you do that? <laughs> so, hey, oh, wait here. You see, here's Doggy. He's always got a. I knew he'd comment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, I. It was a, it was a tough loss for UC, but it, oh, it's yeah. hard for me to ever dislike Georgia with all the all the wonderful players they've oh, no. bangles over the years, you know. Yeah, that that's the thing. I, I respect the hell out of Georgia. Georgia's they got a great program, and that's <laughs> and trust me, dude. I I I got the Georgia fire thrown at me, dude. When I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think this is a winnable game, and they're like, Oh my god, you you think you could beat us? Like, yeah. Why? I'm like. Because we're pretty damn good. That's why I'm like nobody knows it. And you know, I'm like we might lose, but that's the thing. It's like uh, people get on me all the time because you know I'm over optimistic sometimes. But I'm like, I'm a fan, dude. I'm not a journalist. I'm not, I'm a fan. So yeah, I'm going to be optimistic on my teams now. When things like are happening with the Reds right now with the bullpen, my optimism kind of goes out the window a little bit. And actually, you had a really good point when we we're talking before the show of how. The Reds' offense seems to just go away once the bullpen comes in and gives it up. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good good point. But it's kind of like the the offense is probably like, what what the hell else are we supposed to do? We'll score runs, and you guys will give up you know, even more more runs. Right. Well, I mean, look at uh, against the Cardinals. I mean, we ended up winning it, but we gave up seven run lead mm-hmm. in the seventh inning, and it's like you're in one inning offense. You're like, we did we gave you a seven run lead. What more yeah. do you want from us? Yeah, and, they, and they did. They gave up in one inning. <laughs> It wasn't over a month. One inning, they gave up seven runs. Now we got lucky, and the and Jesse Winker had a career year, a career game, and and won the game for us. But and, and it's just, uh, I've said this. It's frustrating. Oh, I'm, dude, I'm I'm so beyond frustrated with this because we can have a team that can win this division. I think if you have a bullpen, you know, and I know, and Crown on here, I know he said he wants to bring up Nick Lodolo and. And Hunter Green, and that'll he, in his mind that'll solve everything. It's not going to solve everything because one, the worst case for me, especially Hunter Green, you bring him up and you bring him up too early, then you have a Homer Bailey situation again, mm-hmm. where you stunted him for years before he actually got to where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I'm as good as I think Hunter Green and Lick Lodolo are going to be. I'm willing to wait, and that's the point. The Reds 
are willing to wait, but they weren't willing to put their money out there to go get a, a bullpen. All they had to do was keep Iglesias. They traded him. All they had to do was pick up Archie Bradley's option, which we were talking before. It, it That wasn't even that big of an option. What, I think it was like, what, $3 million or something like that? It was nothing. I mean, yeah, it was it, it, it was dropping the bucket for, yeah. for a major league team. Yeah, I mean, you $3 million I mean, for you and me is a lot of money, but for them, it's, well, yeah, it's right. not that much, you know. But And it's also, too, like, you know, back to your point about waiting. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm 100%. Don't, don't bring up Green. Don't bring Lodolo. But let's say they're ready next year. Yeah. Do we still have Castellanos next year? Right. Because he's got that option. I, I, and, and then now he's gone. Okay. You know, we do have a lot of outfielders. So maybe Shogo gets more play time. You know, you got Naquin. Senzel's healthy again. But it just always feels like, you know, we had the pitching, but then the offense wasn't there last year. Now we got the offense, but the pitching's not there. And then, okay, well, next year now we got some new pitching. And it's like, you can't always wait. Like now, again, I, I'm not saying bring Green and Lodolo up, but yeah, they should have gone out and got somebody else to help solidify this roster. Right. And what the thing is, that's what I just don't get. Like what, three years ago, they started, I think he finally got sick and tired of rebuilding. He wanted to start doing something. Talk about Castellini. They got Puig. Then when I got Sonny Gray, no, it wasn't a, a playoff team, but it was a start of trying to get there. And then mm-hmm. the next year he went all in, you know, which is great. And then the pandemic hit and we had a 60 game season and the offense just never clipped. So I, I still don't understand you're a cry poor. No, as far as I know, no major league baseball team lost money last year with no fans in the stands. So no, you did not make as much money as you had anticipated. Nobody did. So for you and, and to, to just do a little bit to help your team out, that you own and you claim you said you want to bring championship baseball back here, go get some freaking bullpen help. I'm not even like at this point, I'm not even complaining about the shortstop, which is another gaping hole you should have fixed. But at least the bullpen is the worst position right now. Mm-hmm. And people get mad at David Bell, like, oh yeah, maybe he should have kept in kept Luis Castellanos in a little longer the other day. But okay. So you take him out and he pitches to the seventh inning and the bullpen blows it in the eighth and ninth. What's the difference? You know, I'm not saying that would have definitely happened, but pretty good shot that would have happened because they can't pitch right now. No, right. I mean, and now <laughs> now uh, Anton's on, on the disabled list. Sims, I think, is wore out because they're pitching him like crazy. Who, who, who's he going to down there? You know, right. that's right. What does he do? I mean, you get you you gave Garrett a week off, and and he had one good outing, and then was back to Garrett. But you know, to your point too about money, what I don't understand, and and you know, this is this is a Castellini thing. This is also a Mike Brown thing. You know what is a good way to make money? Winning, win because winning brings fans. Like, look at look, how many years has it been since the Reds were even top half in attendance? Because people yeah. don't want to watch the product after 20 years of no success. You start winning. Guess what? You have full stadiums again. Right. right. Like, I don't understand why there always seems to be that disconnect with Cincy ownership. I mean, well, you know, FCC, it seems like they've been spending. So, you know, maybe they'll be different. But both both the Reds and Bengals, it's always been that way. It's the bare minimum field of team. And it's like you do just a little bit more. And right. the, fan, the, fan, the fans are so hungry. Yes. Do you know, like, the, the first Cincy team to win a title – is no one on that team will ever pay for a thing in this city the rest of their lives. Right, like, right. I, mean, I mean, dude, <laughs> we, we sold out the, 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 the Coliseum down here for the two Kelly Cup championships 
That's the Cyclones one. That's minor league hockey. And most people, I love hockey, but most people around here don't give two craps about hockey. Right. What they want. I mean, to me, that, sh- that should have shown you, you win, we'll show up. And and I, I can't stand the Tweety Birds, but I respect the hell out of them, the way they run their organization, because they're always in contention every year. And that's where I thought they were, what Kessler was doing these last couple of years. You know, you mix and match, you pull this guy, you lose this guy, or you pick this guy back up, you do this to try to make sure that you don't you at least have a contending ball club, which, quote, quote, yes, we have a contending ball club, but we have a huge gaping hole. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. Right, let's get into that. Hank's got our uh, super chat here. Let's get into this. Uh, I appreciate it again, Hank. All right. Uh, all three wide receivers, the Bengals, go over 1,000 yards this year in a 17-game schedule. That isn't even – isn't even 59 yards per game average. That should be no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That's the thing. With that 17th game this year, there's going to be a lot of records, a lot of passing mm-hmm. records, a lot of rushing records that's that's going down. No, and I mean, I certainly think it's possible. You saw T. Higgins almost hit 1,000 last year with six games without even Burrow. You had Tyler Boyd. It was over 800. Um, you know, so you, you plug Burrow in, both of them clear 1,000 easily. Yeah, there's two right there, um, and yeah, you add in the set the seventeenth game. I mean, I, I I haven't statted out fully to say this is what I think it is, but I think it's perfectly reasonable to expect Burrow to be in the forty five hundred yard range. I mean, he was almost oh. on pace for that last year as a in a sixteen game season as a rookie. So if you're looking at putting forty five hundred yards, that still leaves another fifteen sixteen hundred to distribute to tight ends, running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the one thing that maybe would make me say maybe not all three is how much do they use the running backs in the receiving game this year? Right. It sounds like with B- Bernard being gone, they want to start getting the ball to Mixon more. And to me, I think Mixon can be an elite dynamic option out of the backfield if they give him that chance. So you know, if he gets up in the let's say five hundred yard range. Then I could say maybe, you know, like we get two wide receivers over 1,000 and one over 800, 900. But, yeah, I, I certainly think with that extra game, all three getting there is, is well within the realm of possibility. Exactly. I got to pull my computer in. It's about to die. <laughs> <laughs> one second here. Uh, there you go. That's better. It was telling me it's getting low. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I meant to plug that in before I started. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the thing is, too, is, is you're talking about the, the running backs. I also think uh, the tight ends. I mean, if you look at the first, I know CJ only played what two games, I think, before he got hurt. Game, game but, and a half, rarely. Yeah, but I, but that game and a half, Burrow was using him a lot. And look at all the targets that that sample got. So Burrow, if you're open, he's gonna throw you the ball. He doesn't care who he throws it to. I know him and Chase are boys. But if Chase ain't open, he's not gonna throw it to him. And and everybody keeps talking about Chase, and I love Chase, but don't sleep on T. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna have a really good year this year too. So, Here's my bold prediction: T outperforms Chase here in Chase's rookie year. That's I, I that that's not I don't think that's too far off because yeah. I mean T, I think T Chase is going to what Chase is going to do for this offense. He's going to have great stats, mm-hmm. you know, for a rookie. But I don't think he he's not going to have the year Justin Jefferson had last year. I think that's you know some fans are like, well, he's better than Jefferson. He's going to put up fifty. Well, I think I think we have too much talent. We uh, have too much talent. Yeah, and he's going to draw so much attention. And Burrow, like you said, Burrow doesn't care. He's going to go to who's open. So if they want to put double on Chase because they're afraid of him getting over the top, he'll throw to T. He'll throw underneath the void all day. But that's the thing too. That's the cool thing about this this offense is it's going to be really hard to double team people. They can spread you out. And they go and they go four wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might be able to go five wide sometime too. I mean, it, it's going to be yeah. 
I mean, yeah. you look at you put you take our top three wide receivers. You got Tate. You can throw out there that fourth. Put Puduzama out wide. He put, can run Pudizama, out that wide. I, I mean, I think I think Chris Evans, the kid, the kid the guy called Captain America, the kid they got from Michigan. I think he's gonna be he is a shot at being Go two point oh. He he can you can put him out there too, and he can run a slant for him. So he I mean, came into college as a receiver, and then right. he's running back. Like yeah. absolutely, like I he was one of those later picks. I think is uh, should get a little bit more of attention because you you have the you have Bernard being gone. Obviously, Mixon's going to get a lot of that uh, passing work, but it's not going to be all him. And then uh, Travion Williams and Samaj P. Ryan, if they both make the teams, I don't know if Travion Williams even makes the team. Neither of them offer you anything in the passing game. So right. they're going to realize pretty quick that Evans is useful. Like, put him out of the backfield, break him out wide, mm-hmm. get the ball, get him the ball in space. Same for right. if Puka Williams makes the team. Great player in space. I, I think if Puka makes it, he's going to be more, more of a special teams guy. He, he's got to contribute on special he teams. Be, he should be the punt returner, I think. Uh, I think I, I think it's him or, or Darius Phillips. I wouldn't mind. But the thing is, they also signed Trent uh, Taylor from, from the 49ers. So I, know you mentioned, I know you mentioned wanting Darius Phillips the other day when he's talking to Jay Morrison. Yeah. I don't disagree that Phillips would be great at it. I just, I am so terrified of uh, more injuries in the secondary that it's right. like, please don't put Phillips in any kind of risky right. position. Yeah. Well, like Jay Morrison, you got, and I forgot about it, I got Trent Taylor they just signed. Mm-hmm. There's a good shot that he could be could be the punt return. That's what he did. He in looked Phillips. great as a rookie until the injury set in, so he's healthy. Right. I don't disagree. Right. I don't get this super chat. Hank again. You you must have money to burn, Hank, but I I, I appreciate it. I, I really I really do appreciate it. I really, really do. Um the offense is going to get a lot more plays with an improved D. Our run D is greatly improved as well. That and that's the thing I was talking about. I think I can't remember who I was saying, I'd say it with this week. But oh just with Evan uh, McPhillips. The with this as good as this offense is going to be. All we need is an average defense, an mm-hmm. average offensive line. And that, to me, that takes the pressure off of these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they're, they're coming in going, oh, my goodness, you know, we got to do good. We, we got you know, to do this. It's all on us. They can come in more relaxed because they know this offense is going to kick ass. Mm-hmm. So you never know. And, and this team is reminding me a lot of the 05 team. It's, it was Carson Palmer's second year starting, which is this is it was his third year in the league, but this is Jay Bur- Joe Burrow's second year uh, in the league and and starting. The offense is more talented than the defense, just like the in 05, but that defense was very opportunistic and they were just good enough to win games. Mm-hmm. That's where I think we're, we're at here. I think these teams, I think the 05 team and the 2021 team, I think they're, they're very comparable. I, I I think that's a very good comp because I agree. You you don't need a lead across the board. And I think so much of our team last year was dead last in the league or near mm-hmm. the bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. And especially both lines. Um, yep. you know, and then with Hank talking about Rundy, uh Tyler Sheldon. Yes. Pick, mammoth of a man. And you put him next to Reader. I mean, last year Reader was injured. Geo played a little bit, was injured. Rennell Wren was injured. Josh Tupo was injured. We were playing third and fourth string guys. And then, yeah, you to put that guy in the middle right there, yeah. teams are going to be able to run on that like they did right. last year. So You also got Oban Joby, who's going to actually get to play his three technique that I'm he's been dying to play. Joby, yeah. And yeah. I, uh, I, I think 
you also have Wyatt Hubert and Cam Sample. Both of them can kick inside. I think um, Osai is definitely that that Lawson mold, kick yes. him out high, get the bend. Yes. Sample, I think you look at pass rushing downs. I think you put you put a uh, uh, sample and Hubbard have them kick inside for that yep. interior pass rush. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be great. Uh, let, you know, let Osai and Hendrickson handle that outside rush. I think both of them can bull rush right up the middle real well. Well, the thing is too, and this is something that Evan said yesterday is Hendrickson benefit a lot on on other guys getting the pressure and him, you know, finishing the sack off. Well, I think we have enough talent this year to actually for that to work out good because I think Lawson last year was more of the pressure guy mm-hmm. and nobody could actually finish the the the, the, the sack. I mean Hubbard might have been but he got he was had an injury filled season. So I think that that's what's gonna work out good where Henderson I think is going to fit in perfectly as far as finishing the sacks off with with like you said Hubbard and Osai and Sample coming in here, they can get the pressures. Hendrickson can finish it off. If you get, if you get any kind, of, I'll take any kind of pressure on the quarterback this year compared to last year. I mean, we had none. We literally mm-hmm. had none. I mean, those guys. Well, that, two. And two, you know, it wasn't even just like the the you know Lawson was the only one getting pressure on the outside. But I think one of the big things you go back and watch the tape. You had Hubbard and Lawson kind of coming around the edge. Every quarterback was able to just step right up in the pocket because there was nothing up the middle. Yes. It did, in the middle collapsed on every play. So if we can just get a modicum of pressure in the middle and force him to stay in the pocket, we'll get home eventually. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, so I think I think Ogan Joby and Sample and all those guys that, uh, you know, healthy DJ Reader. So we finally like have Daniels. some interior pressure. That's going to make a massive difference on it. Well, that, and that, that was a huge loss last year because we because ne- I could not I was so excited to see Reader and 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 uh, Mike Daniels and um, who else am I missing here? The three guys. Oh, uh, Gino. Thank you, Gino. I, I was yeah. yeah. I don't know how I forgot about Gino, but I was ex- <laughs> excited to see that rotation of those guys in there and not one game, none, no game last year where those guys all three of them healthy at the same time. None of them. There wasn't a single game. Now we've got four guys this year, and I'm still holding out hope that we'll get Gino back, at least for you know, hopefully he can finish his career out here. He doesn't have to move, just stay here and you know, be the three technique with his boy over Joby. But that's what I'm hoping, you know, that's what we we're hoping for last year. And when he get we didn't get it last year, but hopefully we'll get it this year. And they gotta stay away from the injuries. I mean, they had yeah. so many injuries the last couple of years. It's been ridiculous. I don't understand how one team can get so many damn injuries. Right. Well, and, and it's, it's, it always seems like it's injuries at the key position. You know, two yeah. years ago, left tackle. Last year, quarterback. You know, it, it, it's always like the marquee positions we can't seem to keep healthy. And I, you know, I, I'm with you, though. That If they can't stay healthy, we're, we're going to see the same results. You know, there's yeah. only so much you can do with backups. Well, hopefully that, that's the thing is hopefully they're, they're deep enough now because I think this is one of the, the – more deep teams that, that Zach has had since he's been here. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that, that'll help. I agree. I think, I think, you know, the, the theme of this year's draft was obviously trenches. Yes. You know, we had what yeah, first after the first pick, it was five straight picks. Yeah. In trenches. yeah. But I think the theme also was depth. You know, mm-hmm. you saw triple dipping on the D line. Yep. You saw going for Trey Hill in the sixth round to beef up that interior depth. So I, as long as we, like you said earlier, we don't need to be great at the offensive line. We don't need to be great on defense. We need to be good, average to below average, and that's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we got to keep Joe Burrow upright, which I, I really do don't think that's going to be a problem. I really, I, I'm, I'm very, 
happy with this offensive line. And, and people always bang on the Bengals saying they don't, you know, spend any draft picks on the offensive line. There's if if Billy Price is your center, there's three first round picks on this offensive line. So don't right. give me this crap that they don't try to fix the offensive line. They've they've tried, they've missed, swung and missed, <laughs> but they've mm-hmm. tried. And that's when they I, where I try to defend the Bengals on that. Now everybody knows they completely screwed up by letting Whitworth go. That was yeah the, the dumbest thing ever. I, I can't defend them on that. That was stupid. But and they've been trying to recover from it since then, and they've been trying and trying and trying and trying. But you know, oh thank you. Well, Oh, good. Hank's back again. <laughs> what's yeah, up, Hank? All right. All right. Uh, thanks for the five dollars super chat, brother. Uh, what's the word on Osai? How much of an impact are they expecting? Mm-hmm. So I think Osai. What you should expect is exactly what we got out of Carl Lawson rookie year. I think Osai is going to mainly play on third downs. Mm-hmm. He he does need to bulk up. He's only about like he's like six six two fifty. Right. So he's not a huge dude. He's not a bull rusher. He's not a power guy. He's not. Lawson really wasn't tall either. Right. And he's not really a set the edge kind of guy like in the run game. What he is, is hyper athletic and is a great pass rusher. He has great technique, has good speed, good movement. So I think what you're going to see is exactly what you saw with Lawson, where not much first and second down, but almost every third down, bring in a package with him and let him go. And, you know, Lawson put up, uh, what was it, eight sacks his rookie year? Uh, eight and a half, that, I think I it was. Probably, I, you I know, don't know. Uh, he, he was like second on the team in sacks, and I think mm-hmm. that's absolutely you could expect this year. I could see Osai definitely in that six, eight, mm-hmm. nine sack range, mainly playing on those third downs, mainly as that pass rush specialist. While you see, you know, Hubbard and Hendrickson as the more normal package now. I even think you see him, uh, pass rush standing up quite yep. a bit. You're having come off the edge, having come from a linebacker position. He did that a lot at Texas. That that's one thing I, I I always call uh, Lou. I call him Armadillo until the defense starts to get better. I'll, I'll pronounce his name right. But I'm actually starting to understand a little bit more of what he's trying to do, and he's trying to have a morphing defense. You know, he he wants to do what the Patri- Patriots have done, which I, I think is a great. Is whatever that team does good, take that away from him. So he needs guys who can do multiple things. And when you had Marvin's guys. They – I mean, Carl Lawson – or, excuse me, Carlos Dunlap, he put his hand on the ground and he rushed the quarterback. That's what he did. You know, he didn't drop back. He didn't, you know, go on the inside. You know, he didn't do a whole lot else. He was really good at what he did, but that's what he, what he did. Lou, I think, wants guys who are more versatile and can do different things. And I think he's got that this year, and I'm hoping <laughs> it works out. But we'll find out. Still, not- I mean, there, there's no more excuses for Lou this year. No. You know, I, I, I was definitely in the camp of not bringing him back. Because um, I haven't been very impressed, but yeah. you're absolutely right. They've gotten him the guys he wants. He loves those hybrid guys. Sample can move up and down the line. Osai can move, can drop back and move out to the linebacker position. You got Hendrickson, who's that more uh, prototypical pass rusher. Mm-hmm. You got Cleet Kareem, who can play inside and out. Like you have guys that are versatile. You can do those mixed fronts like you want. So do it. You 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 put up 17 sacks last year, which is Horrible. I mean, it's almost unfathomably bad. <laughs> right. So exactly. you, you know, honestly, I, I mean, like you said, we, we only need an average defense, but if we get through a quarter of this season and we're still seeing, we saw last year, he needs to go because yeah. they can't, we can't have another year. Look how many games last year did the defense give up touchdown right in the last two minutes. Uh, Col- Colts game, Browns game. And it killed us. So if we, if we lose a couple games in those first quarter of the season, because of that, he's got to go. Right. Yeah, I mean, the thing I always bring this up about Lou, 
it's it doesn't seem like he makes adjustments. And the game that I always go to is the Colts game last year. I, I, it, we were up like twenty one points, and I could literally watch the TV and say they're going to throw it over the middle. They're going to throw it over the middle, and they kept throwing it over the middle. And there was not a Bengal within five yards of them. I'm like, I'm looking at my dad going, if I could see that, why can't Lou see that? Why, you know, right. and, and, and to watch the, the, the cornerbacks constantly back off, that drives me nuts. Where they, I mean, literally, they'll back off a couple times. I didn't see them in the, in the TV screen before they hiked the ball. I'm like, what kind of defense is that? All they got to do is take a, you know, five step drop, turn, catch the ball, and they're taking off on a slant. I mean, you mean you don't like prevent defense in the second quarter? <laughs> Oh, I don't like prevent defense at all. <laughs> all it does is prevent you from winning. I like right. No, hundred percent agree. And and you know, to your point about Lou not adjusting, I think in, in addition to not being an in-game adjuster, he is one of those defensive coordinators that wants players to fit his system instead of modifying a system of players. Now, and I think I think there is value in that. And like you said, we've gone out and gotten him those players these last couple of years. But I feel like he tried to transition that too fast. And it's like, you know, you kind of need to edge it in. If you have these players that fit this system and you want to do this other system, you can't just come in day one and say, this is what we're doing because it's not going to work. Right. And right. I think he was just so insistent that his system would click eventually mm-hmm. and was not willing to try anything else. Yeah, yeah that, well, that, that's the thing is, is that's kind of what you're saying too. I have a hard time with sometimes he doesn't put his players in the best position to succeed. You know, like you just said, you know, we'll, we'll do it this way. Or, or we, you have, like, we have to do it this way. Like, dropping Carl Lawson and and, and Carlos Dunlap, dro- just dropping them back in general is odd. What? Yeah. It's, <laughs> why, I mean, I'm not a defense coordinator, but they've never done that, especially, especially Carlos Dunlap. He's never done that in his whole NFL career. Why is he doing that now? It just I don't know. Well, and it's just also, too, you know, it's one thing if you, you know, I I can understand kind of the idea of like, you know, fooling the quarterback, wanting to put out those different right. fronts, but we were getting so little pressure and Dunlap was one of the only people getting any pressure and right. he wants him to cover. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if it works, like it would work out great. Like you said, if, if he's got guys standing up, you know, and then you don't know if they're coming or going or whatever, that, that, that would be fine. But we weren't, we weren't there. We weren't there. Yeah, at I mean, all. If, we, if we see a defensive line lineup this year, and it's uh, you know Tyler Shelvin's got his hand down, and everyone else is standing up. Yeah, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah, that's as long fine. as you get pressure, like yeah, I don't give a crap what the pre-stop looks like. As long as they're getting after the quarterback, I don't care. Right. Yeah. Can I right. say what's up to my boy Bingo Jim? What's up, Jimmy? <laughs> Actually, since he's on here, I want to do this real quick because I try to do this every show, and we are a it'll be a week out tomorrow. So a week from tomorrow, we will be doing Jungle to the Hall. So as always, we need to try to get every single Bengal fan there that we can. Uh, it starts at 10 a.m. at Madison High School. I know that's early. I know it's all the way up there on Saturday morning. If you can't make it then, please at least make it for the 1 to 3 o'clock uh, rally. That is where we need you guys the most. Got to get try to get Ken Riley and Ken Anderson into the Hall of Fame. If you have not registered, please go to uh, Bengal Jim's Twitter. Uh, and he's got a pin to the top. Go there, register, so we know how many people are coming. That would help us out a lot. And this is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You know, if you're big in the Bengals, you really want Ken Anderson and Ken Riley into the Hall of Fame, show up. You get to see Madison High School, where Paul Brown started coaching. You get a tour of the Hall of Fame. 
Then afterwards, we're going to a brew house and having some food and drinks and have a good time. I am literally pushing my vacation back to do this. <laughs> so oh, yeah. if I can do that, then you guys can show up. So I just always like putting yeah, that out no, there. It's a great plug because it's uh, it's a travesty that Ken Anderson and Ken Riley are not in the Hall of Fame. And like, you know, in a few years, I hope we're not saying the same thing about Willie Anderson because it's that's the next the, one. The lack of attention he's gotten is ridiculous. Uh, as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, that's that's the. That's the next one. I, Ken Ken Riley and I, I'll say this. I've said this a million times. He's still sixth in all time interceptions to this day. He retired in 1983. Everybody above him and all everybody below him is in the Hall of Fame except him. I don't. You had Mel Blunt the other day talking about how ridiculous it was that he is and then the Hall of Fame. Right. I mean, it, it, the players at the position recognize he should be there. Like, yes. I mean, here it is. Look, look, everybody up there. I mean, Charles Woodson. He's going in this year. Ed Reed. Right a lot. They're all below them. We got Night Train mm-hmm. Wood, and Rod Woodson. All these guys. I mean, right in the middle. 65 interceptions. Not in the Hall of Fame. And then you got Ken Anderson, who he actually let. And I always pre, uh, compare him to, um, oh, geez, I forget his name. Um, the quarterback for the uh, Chargers. Uh, that's in the Hall of Fame. Oh, uh, Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts, yes. Dan Fouts is in the Hall of Fame. Ken Anderson literally beat him to go to the Super Bowl. In his NFL MVP season. One, probably, in my opinion, probably the best Bengals game of all time. Freezer yes. Freezer. Oh, it's awesome. The, the fact that, that Dan Fouts, and I'm not, this is nothing against Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts could be in there. He should be in there. That's cool. But if he's in there, why the hell isn't Ken, Ken Anderson in there? Makes mm-hmm. no sense. I mean, Led the league in passer rating four different times. Every other quarterback that's done that's in the Hall of Fame. Led the league in accuracy uh, at least three. It might have been four times as well. I mean, he he was kind of Drew Brees before Drew Brees. Super accurate quarterback. You put him in, in the offense now? <laughs> yeah. He's Peyton Manning. He's Drew Brees. He, he's he's killing it just like those guys are. Yeah, you do. You look at all the era-adjusted stats they do, uh, comparing, you know, trying to account for the, the different rules and plays and stuff, and he always grades out excellently. Yeah, exactly. He was throwing 4,000 yards and 70% completion in eight, in the early 80s. I mean, yeah. no one threw 70% again for like 20 years over yeah. the, the season. Yeah, so it's 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 a travesty. I want both of them in next time. I, mean, I, I think yeah. they both – I think we'll, we'll – Are they – uh, are, are the Kins your choice for the Ring of Honor this year? Oh, absolutely, yes. Well, I mean, the thing is, if we're making this big deal, this big push to put them in the Hall of Fame – and we're not going to put them in our own ring of honor as our, our mm-hmm. the, the first two that the fans can vote in, then well, how is the Hall of Fame going to take us seriously, is my opinion. No, I agree. So, that's I mean, what I mean. I think, honestly, that's one of the reasons the Hall of Fame hasn't paid as much attention to us because it's like if we don't celebrate our own players, why are they? So exactly. I 100% agree. It, it, it guts me that Ken's unfortunately already passed before he gets to see his name yeah. in the ring of honor and yep. hopefully eventually the Hall of Fame. But I, I – I, you know, there's lots of deserving names on there, and obviously most of these guys are going to get their their chance to shine. But I think year one, it's got to be Ken and Ken. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's I, I just find it hard. I mean, I've talked to other guys like, oh, I've, I voted for Willie Anderson, which there's nothing wrong with Willie Anderson. I think mm-hmm. Willie should be in. It's just the fact of the matter that we we're making this push, and we all believe that these guys should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't see how we can't make them the first two. Willie really Anderson would probably tell you, nah, vote for these guys over me. He's the most <laughs> right. humble dude I've ever, ever heard talk. Right, exactly. And, and Hank's like, it's not officially retired, Hank. Again, thanks for the $5 super chat. But uh, it, there's been, I think, one, I was talking to Ken Riley uh, the second. I think a kicker or a punter wore 13 in a preseason game once, and that was it. 
Mm-hmm. Other than that, nobody's ever wore 13 for the Bengals. That, yeah, that's, that's the truth. Nobody's ever wore it. That should tell you something right there. I would be interested to see, you know, along with the, the Ring of Honor push, if they do ever retire numbers. Uh, you know, it's never been our thing. Uh, but like you said, we, we haven't reissued 13. We don't reissue 78 for Munoz. Um, so I would be interested to see that if, 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 you know, let's say they do, the senior committee does put Ken Riley in, do they do like a Jersey retirement or something for him as, as an extra little, uh, acknowledgement, um, you know, and bring yeah. in. Yeah. I had, uh, and, I had Matt Ritchie on here from the, uh, uh, season ticket office Wednesday, I think it was or Thursday. I don't remember what day it was. And I was trying to find out, you know, when they do the ring of honor, those games, what they had coming. And then he wouldn't tell me anything. I was like, dang. I was trying to get some, but he said they got they got something coming. So I mean, it, it'll be interesting to do that. As and football numbers, well, the reason they didn't retire football numbers as much is because they had these rules where you know only certain positions could have certain numbers, so they would run out of numbers. Well, now those are kind of going out the window. I mean, Chase is is Uno, which is called Uno. He's number one now. So we that might be more of a prevalent thing to happen now that they might actually retire numbers, which 13 and 78, they're retired anyway. Nobody's worn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I do think somebody wore 78 in a preseason. I do think I remember that. And I was pissed off. Like, <laughs> why are you wearing that number? Nobody should be wearing that number. Mm-hmm. So I, I, those two for sure should be re- retired officially because nobody's wearing them. Uh, nobody's ever going to wear those numbers again. Yep. No, I, 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 if they don't want to actually retire it, yeah, I, I do hope they maintain the the soft retirement and, and don't issue them. And, and, you know, I'm assuming with the Ring of Honor, we'll get to see the 13 up on the wall once Ken Riley's name's up there, kind of like how the Reds have it. And, um, yeah, I, I just think people need to know what that number is and who it represents and, and associate it with that. Yeah, and that's why if you if you watch the beginning of my, of my show, most of the time it's the, my Ken Riley intro. <laughs> Highlights of him. Because I want to get it out to you. What's that? He's got some good highlights. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best cornerbacks in, in NFL history. And I'm like, these young boys don't know who he is. You know, and I, I, I'm i trying to get it out there. We had a really, really good cornerback in Ken Ryan, a really good dude, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's almost uh, 630. Scott, I appreciate you coming on. This has been a blast. Um, tell everybody where they can follow you and what you got. Because I know you got something possibly coming out on the last word for the NFL. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Reddit, uh, professor, professor bird. Don't ask. That's a different, we'll get into that story next time. Um, and then on Twitter, I'm Uber scooter. And uh, you can also find me on last word uh, on NFL uh, started writing for them. Should have my first article coming out soon. Um, it's going to be a little profile on Chitaba. Uh, yeah. One of those new additions that I felt wasn't uh, talked about enough. Uh, yeah, but thanks for having me on. Uh, had a great time, man. Awesome, dude. We'll definitely have to do this again. And as always, who day? Who day? <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you guys didn't like like that, Hank. Yeah, you like you, Hank. You're blowing it up, dude. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, let's get to the Facebook groups that let's be live streaming. I appreciate every single one of them on this Friday, Friday, Friday. But we got a uh, who day nation. Oh, wrong one there. Day Nation. Uh, since I Bengals the jungle, Bengals Nation, Bengals Day Nation. Since I Reds, Ryan Third heading for home. Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts. You got the Ice Bar, and then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much wherever 
you have your social media at. I'm there. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. That's T-R-E-N-N-E-P-O-H-L. I'm also on TikTok. I'm an old guy, old guy doing TikToks. Uh, that handle is at Iceman90. Again, type in sports or strawberry ice. You should be able to find it. Uh, I'll be pulling off the sound later on tonight. Uh, if you want to listen to what me and Scott had to say, which Scott was an awesome interview. I mean, you guys should definitely go check him out on The Last Word and on his uh, article on Reddit. Um, like I said, pulling the sound off later on. Put up the podcast. I'm on Pod. Uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you go there, like, rate, review, review, download it. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors about Sports of Strawberry Ice. YouTubers are at 1,131 subscribers. That is awesome. Let's keep it rolling. Like I said, I'm shooting for moon. Let's get to 10,000. Let's try to get there as fast as we can. And other than that, as my man, Jeremy. <laughs> These nuts, Dimebag Dean, would say, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? And for the love of God, Bob, go get some bullpen. See ya! <laughs>